Mac Power Users, Episode 306, Tackling Contacts. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside David Sparks. Welcome back to the contacts again, David. I'm sorry, contacts? I didn't know we were doing that today. Contacts, yeah. Yes. We've, we've, uh, we've tackled this topic a couple of times before. And, you know, initially I was a little apprehensive to the idea of, of coming back to contacts again. But, but you've won me over with this topic. Well, everything's changed. I mean, we talked about it years ago. And now all the services have changed. The apps have changed. And frankly, it's still a problem for a lot of people. So I thought with this show, we will go through and explain how we're dealing with it. Some of our, our best thoughts and practices and, and some apps there that can help you out. Well, and particularly a lot more management of contacts on iOS, I think, has been the big shift. Yeah. Like moving some of this from Mac to uh, iOS. Uh, I think it's you're doing that a little better over there. I mean, yeah, I think you're doing that a little more than I am. So I'll be curious to see what you're doing. Uh, we do have a kind of an announcement. It's something that we're still working on. So we're, we, we want to put this out there as a possibility, but it's it's still in the planning category. As, as you may know, David and I are both going to be at the ABA Tech Show uh, in March. That's going to be March 17th, 18th, and 19th are the dates for Tech Show this year. But since the MPU meetup that we did in Orlando was so successful, we were kind of thinking maybe we'd do it again in Chicago. Yeah, the Windy City, yeah. Mac Power users. Um, we're having some logistical problems. Uh, there are a couple of things that are standing in our way. First off, St. Patrick's Day, which is, I'm told is very big in Chicago, uh, is that same week. Um, and we're, we're kind of locked in on the date. If we're going to do it, it has to be the evening of Wednesday, um, March 16th. We're kind of geographically located because uh, of of us coming into town. It, it has to be somewhere near the Hilton on Michigan Avenue. We are we're still trying to find a space. the The problems that we're running into is apparently that's the first night of March Madness, uh, which is a big uh, basketball uh, tournament in the in the U.S. If you're not familiar with that, for some of our international listeners, and so that's that's kind of creating a problem with us. But we're working on it. We've we've got a couple of people out there looking for space for us. Um, if any of our Mac Power users listeners out there or live in the Chicago area or maybe have a connection for us, uh, please do drop us a line and let us know. But um, we don't have anything definite to announce yet. We just wanted to put that out there on your radar that it's something we're looking at and trying to put together. Yeah, if you're near Chicago, put March 16th on your calendar. I, I think we'll find a place. Maybe maybe we'll meet outside the jail because sometimes when I go to Chicago, man, stuff happens. I don't know. <laughs> well, and like I said, if any Mac Power users, listeners out there have a connection for us uh, for the evening of March 16th, uh, let us know for sure. Uh, probably, you know, we had a big crowd at the Disney thing. We had about 50, 50 60 people there. Yeah, we got to beat that. Yeah. Got to beat that. All right. Hey, uh, Katie, have you ever been in Chicago around St. Patrick's Day that, you know, when they paint, uh, when they dye the river green and everything? Have you seen that? They don't. But actually, I learned from the hop on, hop off bus tour of Chicago that the way that they dye the river green is not by putting green dye in the river because the green, the, the river actually already has kind of a tint to it. So they put a different color dye in to make it green, which makes me a little nervous. It's cool, though. It is. I mean, people in Chicago are so nice. I That's one of my favorite big cities. Did you but, know that brownies were invented in Chicago? Oh, now I love it even more. 
Okay. Things let's that you about- things that you learn on the bus tour. <laughs> so let's talk about contacts for a minute, though. Uh, in general, one of the universal things that people feel like they're not doing well is contact management. I um, I had lunch with a good friend of ours recently who is well known writer and said, "Oh, contacts! I hate that stuff. I haven't got any of that stuff organized." It, it is kind of hard, and it gets out of control very quickly. And to add to the madness, since we covered this the first time, there's been this explosion of mobile devices and everybody has iPads and iPhones and Macs and who knows what else. Um, So we thought, let's go back and and look at how to manage contacts. And I I think maybe uh, one of the first places to start is a little history lesson. In the olden days, you had a um, paper-based contact management system. It, It seemed like one of the best ways to deal with contacts is to have a book and write the names down. I mean, are you, did you ever have one of those Katie or did you just go straight digital? I did. And I, I had a, you know, I had a planner, I had various types of planners. And then I had one of those day runner type things and that, that you were really getting fancy because at that point you actually could replace the calendar piece, but keep the contact piece. I remember my grandfather for years had this very small, um, it would fit in his, his back pocket, notebook. It was probably a little bit smaller than the size of a field notes notebook. And every year he'd get a new notebook. And every year, right around the first of the year, I think that's what he would do on New Year's Day, is he would rewrite all of his contacts by hand in his notebook. And he'd take the old notebook and he'd put it in a drawer in his desk. And when he passed away, we we found all of those. And <laughs> And sorted wow. through some of them. But I just remember thinking, you know, he always had it, you know, if you needed something, he'd reach into his back pocket and he'd tell you someone's name, address and, and phone number and all of that information. So it was it was neat that he always had that right on hand. But I also remember how tedious and time consuming it was for him, you know, just to have to rewrite all of that by hand every yeah. year. And the handwriting is the same every year. Or did it change as he got older? He was fairly consistent right up until the last years of his life. So. So that was the old way to do it. My mom was great. She used to, my mom used to have the analog version of one password in her contact book. She had a book and like, I remember her, she had a little safe and the, um, the, the combination for the safe was under a contact named Sam Locke, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she had all the, you know, it was like, great, you know, but, but that changed and, uh, the digital stuff showed up and I thought you might've just gone straight digital because I know your parents put like a Mac in your crib or something, but but for a lot of people, uh, the transition from paper to the digital hub, and by digital hub, I mean the Mac or the computer being the center of your digital data, was a very easy transition because like your grandfather, he didn't have to retype it every year or rewrite it if he had put it into a computer and you could always be updating and deleting and doing whatever you needed. Um, and that was a very simple transition because it was it was just so analogous to uh, get it across there. Uh, But then we got more than one computer and that's when things started getting crazy. And, and I know like I used to have a Palm pilot and I would have to plug it into my Mac to get the contacts to come down and things would change. And there were all these conflicts that you could have. It was just, it became unbearable with the amount of devices we were getting. So that's what led to today's world of cloud-based contact management. And that has also come with some challenges as well, because especially if we've made this transition from 
contacts on the Mac to contacts in the cloud, one of the things that I've noticed that people have struggled with is where are my contacts? Sometimes I'll have a few contacts on my phone. Sometimes I'll have contacts on my Mac. Sometimes I'll have contacts on my cloud. And I think that's still a, a struggle that many people will have is, is where are my contacts living? It used to be when you had a, a phone, and I think even some of the cell phone carriers are doing this now. If you go into, you know, Verizon or AT&T or one of these cell phone stores, they used to have the ability, they had this machine and all these various adapters where they'd plug your old phone in one one end and your new phone in the other end, and it would transfer your your address book because people just kept these this information on your on their phones. But yet there was no cloud, there was no syncing mechanism. And most people now still keep this information on their phone, but if they're not syncing it to a cloud service, number one, they're at risk of losing it if they lose the phone or upgrade the phone or um, you know have to erase the phone for some reason. But number two, you also run into this problem where your contacts can very easily uh, become fragmented with some of them are on your phone, some of them may be on your Mac, and which information is the most current and most up to date. Yeah, and you've just put your finger on the big problem because uh, as the world got more complex, the model had to get more complex. When you just kept your, like your grandfather, there was never a sync conflict, right? It was in his back pocket. He pulled it out. That was the thing. And he did the update every year. Well, and he, if someone moved in the meantime, he took out his pen and crossed it out. Exactly. But when he wrote the new one, he, he got rid of the old one, put the new one in. Right. Um. So, and then when we went to the Mac and you just had one digital source for this again no sync conflicts because there was one you know there's one gospel truth and there was no other place that you kept it it got more complicated with the mobile devices that would plug into the computer and drag contacts down from there and if you you remember back in the day a lot of times it was a one-way sync it would only pull things down off your computer and not share back and forth because of the potential of conflicts Eventually, they sorted that out, but it wasn't good enough when we got into this truly mobile age where we even have watches and iPads and iPhones and, you know, who knows what else, refrigerators that want to know our contact database. So um, so now things, I think, are not, it, it's like exponentially more difficult for the people making the software now because they have many places that things are coming from and they have to keep it all in sync. And that's why the cloud makes sense for this. I think Jobs had said, Steve Jobs had said in one of his presentations that the truth is in the cloud or something to that effect. And I know he's probably not the first, first person to say it, but but that is the that is what you have to accept to make this work. You have to think, okay, now my contacts are going to be stored on some server somewhere out there and my Mac has been demoted. It's no longer the boss of all this. It's just another client like my iPhone or my iPad. And if it works right, when you make a change on your Mac, it sends it up to the cloud and says, okay, Katie got a new phone number. So here it is. It deletes the old one, puts the new one in. And then when I go to my iPhone and check in, it's going to do the same thing. It's going to go up to the server and say, oh, okay, I see Katie's phone number is updated. Well, let's update it here locally. And then the same thing on your iPad and your other devices. Um, and that's the ideal. Now, that doesn't always work. I think we're getting a lot closer to it working pretty consistently, but it doesn't always work. And there's one additional kind of abstraction to all of this um, as Mac and Apple users. It's, you know, what is the source of that data? Now, for a long time, it was an individual application. So it wasn't your contacts database. It was your Apple contacts application database. You with me there? Mm -hmm. That's different. Because the Apple Contacts database, the Apple application database would indicate that other applications can't see that same data. And one of the things Apple did as they moved towards the cloud is they made contacts and calendars kind of like a universal pool of data 
on your device. And that's the reason why you don't have to use the Apple applications to manage contacts and calendars, because it can go and pull any application can access that data if you give it permission. And as a result of that, you can have multiple contacts applications running. And when you update the data in the Apple contacts database, for instance, it's also going to update the data in your busy contacts if you're using busy contacts. So um, all this stuff kind of needs to work together. And there's just so many ways for that to fail because there's all these different things going on. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, do you want to take it? Is it too early to take our first sponsor break and then get into? No, I think this is stuff? a good time to do it because otherwise we'll we'll go for a ways. So yeah. let's talk about a returning sponsor to Mac Power users. And I'm so glad to have them back because it's a product that I use and love. And that is Backblaze. Uh, Backblaze is the place for personal and business backup for Mac and PCs. With Backblaze, you can get unlimited backups for your documents, your music, your photos, your videos, and all of your user data. And for now, with the Mac Power users promo code that we're going to give you, you can get a two risk, I'm sorry, a two week risk free trial by going to backblaze.com slash MPUs. Backblaze has handled well over 150 petabytes of data. A good portion of that comes from me, let me tell you. And they have restored over 10 billion files. You have offline access to all of your files from anywhere that you have an internet connection. And they even have iPhone and Android apps to let you access all of your smaller files on the go. You can restore a single file at a time. And Backblaze actually says most of their files are single file restores. Uh, you can do easy web restores, or if something happens and you need to restore a big chunk of files, or if you need to restore your entire hard drive, uh, Backblaze will actually send you a USB hard drive uh, from Backblaze if you ever need to get anything from them. Uh, they have a native application for Mac and PC. Did I tell you that? Native application, which means it's not going to slow down your computer. You don't have to install anything else. It just works right out of the box. And if you're already using Time Machine or Carbon Copy Cloner or one of these other applications with an external drive, uh, you can use Backblaze as well with it. It's not going to interfere with anything. It's just a belt and suspenders approach so you can have an off-site backup component which I think is really critical to any uh, good backup routine. There's no throttling. And they've also introduced upload threading, which means you can back up quickly, as quickly as your ISP will allow you. Uh, no add-ons, no gimmicks, no additional charges. It's just $5 per month per computer for unlimited, unthrottled online backup. And again, Mac Power users, listeners can get a two-week free trial by going to backblaze.com slash MPU. Uh, if you're already backing up with Backblaze, and I know a lot of you are, uh, I know that I am. Uh, they do have something new for IT professionals, and it's called Backblaze B2 Cloud Storage. Uh, if you're building an app and you need cloud storage, or you want to be able to command your own backup with CLIs and APIs, then B2 is something that you should check out. Uh, B2 Cloud Storage is one-fourth the cost of Amazon S3. It's just 0 .005 cents per gigabyte. Uh, the beta is open now, so you can go to backblaze.com slash MPU and check out B2 Cloud Storage as well. So thank you to Backblaze for their continued support of Mac Power users. You know, they have an iPhone app where you can just access everything up there, too. Yeah, I do that sometimes. It's crazy, crazy. Well, anyway, it's a great deal. I'm glad to have them back. Um, okay, so let's talk about where you're going to put the stuff, you know, where you, where you determine the cloud. But, you know, really what it is, it's a server at somebody's, um, at a building somewhere. Yeah, somebody's data center. Yeah, the uh, the three that we're going to focus on for the show are iCloud, Exchange, and Google. 
I'm going to talk about iCloud first because as Mac and iOS users, we all have a free iCloud account. And, you know, free is kind of in quotation marks because they don't give you a lot of data. But if, yeah, it's, if you it's free for five gigabytes. Yeah, which and, is, and frankly, which for most people is going to be plenty for backing up your contacts. Oh, yeah. But if you're not doing like the photo database stuff, you're probably going to be OK with the five. But the um, either way. So iCloud Sync is I, I was one of the you know, it's funny. I'm a nerd, right? One of the biggest benefits to leaving my regular paying job with health insurance and benefits was uh, I no longer did I have to keep my contacts in multiple clouds because before I had the work stuff in exchange and my personal stuff in iCloud. And it was just always leading to little bits of problem. Like I said, this is a really hard problem to solve. And when you add two different uh, cloud servers, uh, you're going to just exponentially make it worse. So when I left the firm, I I made the decision. I'm no longer doing exchange. I'm going to keep both my personal and professional contacts and Max Sparky and all the other phases of my life in one big iCloud um, bucket of contacts. And then uh, because Apple's contacts app on the Mac, at least allows you to create groups, I got very granular with the groups I made and I went through and sorted everybody into the appropriate group. So if I want to see a list of attorneys that I refer cases to, I got a group for that. If I want to see a list of my legal clients. I got a group. If I want to see a list of Max Sparky sponsors, I, I've got all these granular groups so I can just click on any one of them I want and get to the data I need. And man, it has been so great uh, having everything in just one cloud. I use iCloud as well, and I've used it for years. I've used it back since the days dot .Mac, MobileMe. I don't even know if there was contact syncing. I don't think there was back when it was iTools, but I've used it back ever since it was iTools. I have been very happy with iCloud for syncing contacts. I know that other people have had issues with iCloud for data sync and primarily with, you know, syncing data and applications. But contacts is one area where, for me at least, it has been rock solid. Now, I do still have my contacts in two separate pools. Um, I'm actually in a different pool now. I was in the exchange pool with my previous job. And since I've had a job change uh, last year, I'm now in the Google pool. So I can talk a little bit about both of those services. But iCloud is where I keep all of my personal contacts. So I've got all my personal contacts in iCloud, and then all my professional ones used to be Exchange, but now they're in Google. Yeah, so for Exchange, um, it used to be more difficult. You used to have to put, you know, a real server in your office and, you know, license the Exchange software from Microsoft. And quite often you'd have an IT professional there. It was it was kind of the corporate or business solution to managing contacts as well as email and other things. Um, Microsoft has made a lot of movement in the last couple of years. They have this Office 365 product, for instance, where you pay a monthly fee and they host it on their own servers for you. It's essentially iCloud. And I know people right now, Microsoft people right now are just like banging their heads on their their steering wheels. But it's, you know, the idea is it's it's a company managing this for you on servers elsewhere where you don't have to do it. So you can get into Microsoft Exchange relatively cheaply. In fact, in some of the models where you get the subscription for the Microsoft Office, I, I believe some of those subscription models include the exchange as well. You know, these days, I've been in both of these settings. My my office, my old office, we used to run our own exchange server in-house, and you still can do that. And I will tell you, that was an absolute nightmare there was always oh, a problem. Yeah. There was always an incompatibility issue. And we were on office of about 25 to 30 people at any given time. It was just it was just a nightmare. And really, when Exchange 365 became popular, um, we probably switched about a year or two after that 
And it was night and day. I mean, unless you are really a large, massive conglomerate with a dedicated IT department, I, I don't think there's any reason to be running your own exchange server. I just had that conversation with an attorney friend lately uh, who was talking about, you know, cloud stuff. And he was very against it. And I said, well, let me ask me and tell me one thing. I said, well, where do you keep your data currently? Well, we have our own server. I'm like, OK, is that plugged into the Internet? Well, yeah, I can access it from home. I said, OK. How many security people do you have watching over it? <laughs> you know, I mean, if it's plugged into the Internet, someone can get to it. So a lot of times these big company hosted solutions are in reality a lot safer than than trying to roll your own. Tell me a little bit about Google, though. I know you're using that currently. Yeah, so we're using Google. Oh, and I, I guess I should mention before we get off of Exchange, I didn't have any problems with Exchange, and it was a lot better, especially when we got into Exchange 365. I will say that my experience with Exchange is that native Exchange support on the Mac and iOS has been pretty good, but it's been very difficult. Uh, although I was BusyCal and uh, the Busy apps and, and uh, Busy Contacts have supported it really well, um, getting native Exchange support on many third-party apps is difficult. A lot of third-party apps will like support Exchange if it's supported over IMAP, and and a lot of uh, corporate 365 installations will will deny that. So um, one thing you have to be careful about is Exchange. A lot of times you do have to use because of the way that the servers are set up and the security policies are set up. It, it's really only going to work well with with Apple's direct apps or with third-party apps that specifically integrate with Exchange. And I think the way that BusyCal and Busy Contacts are doing it is because they just kind of use Apple's protocol. I thought it was funny when you said on the email show that that Microsoft Outlook would not work with the exchange you had installed at one point. Yeah, and we actually and I, and I I wasn't anticipating this question, but someone actually wrote in and, and gave us an answer. So we'll have the answer to that in the uh, MPU live show. But they wrote in and explained a little bit as to why that is. And I think it has something to do with uh, the passing through of the passwords. Gotcha. So, yeah. Well, well, what about Google for a contact database management? Um, it's fine. I, I don't like the Google web interface for contacts. I think it's atrocious. We currently use a, a hosted Google account at, at our office for, you know, mail, which also has integration for contacts and calendars and then Google drive. But really the only thing anybody uses it for is, is mail and calendar. I will tell you that many of the people in my office only use the web interface and the people who use the web interface don't have their contacts in Google, other than the ones that are that are auto-populated, you know, just when they send and receive email. And that's kind of a nightmare. Um, but the people who have Google hooked up with third-party apps, you know, for example, if they've got Google hooked up with Outlook or like me, if they've got Google hooked up with Busy Contacts and with Apple Mail, then they typically are using the contacts integration and it works just fine. So um, the Google native web experience for contacts is not particularly good, but using Google as a backend to me has been, you know, just as, as seamless an experience as using just about anything else. If I, if I were going to summarize kind of the various vendors you can go with, I'd say iCloud is easy because it's, it's free, it comes with your Mac. It's run by Apple, who's the same company that makes the operating system. Uh, of all three, iCloud is the only one that I've heard of from people on Twitter and various, you know, war stories of having sync errors and losing contact data. Um, I personally have never experienced that. I mean, I, I'm not fanboying here. It's just contacts have been rock solid for me in iCloud since I started using it. Um, but 
but I have heard some people say that I have not heard that from anybody using exchange or Google that they've lost any kind of data. Um, exchange though is, is part, you know, you have to get into the Microsoft ecosystem. You're, you're limited, more limited on what you can do in terms of apps and Google, um, is, is pretty rock solid. But I think like Katie was saying, it really is best through the web interface, which is, um, which is dog. This is really ugly. Well, and keep in mind, and I've, I've put a link in the show notes to the exchange pricing. I, the one I've linked to is for personal, but if you just click a page over, you'll see the the linking for business. Most of the exchange, or excuse me, the Office 365 d- does not include hosted exchange. That yeah. typically takes you up to another service level or as an add-on. Yeah, but there there is pricing where you can get the hosted exchange without the Office 365 subscription as well. They've got like, you know, it, Microsoft is moving into the model where they want everybody to pay them by the month. So they're going to have some kind of solution. Right. I, I installed, by the way, Katie, I installed Windows 10 on my Mac. I had to for a project Why? I'm working on. It's crazy. It's like putting your father in a dress. Uh, all right. Well, um, <sighs> moving on. Anyway. Anyway. So- Moving on. Yes. <laughs> so let's, so we kind of talked about through. I, I think of all these three, I, I'm very happy just using iCloud. Like I said, I've had no trouble. Katie, um, if you could, if you had your druthers, which which one would you go with? You know, exclusively. If I if I could put everything just in one, I would probably put everything in iCloud. Yeah. Just because that's what I have the most experience with. The only time I've ever had issues with iCloud has been when I've gotten a corrupted contact up up there, and I, I think that can happen with any service. I don't know yeah. how contacts get corrupted, but it, it happens. And it's just kind of well, trial and error finding it. I'm sure we'll hear from the show from some listeners that had iCloud and probably Exchange and Google um, sync issues as well. But generally, I think we're in pretty good shape with all three of these services. If, if one of them floats your boat, you're fine. Um, okay, so let's talk about contact management on the Mac. Uh, regardless of what service you use, you've, you're still going to have to deal with, you know, how do you view and edit this data? The, um, I, I, I think with the starting point has to be the Apple contacts application. I have used the Apple contacts application. Obviously it's been the only solution for a long time and it's fine, but it's not my favorite. There are a few little gems built in there, but it, it feels like an application that other than a facelift hasn't gotten much TLC from Apple over the years, and it's not really designed to do much other than put your contacts in there and sync it with iOS. Yeah, and the basic functionality is there with the contacts application for Mac, which strangely is not true with the Apple contacts application on iOS, which we'll talk about later. But but if you want to get a name in there and you want to put data with it and you want to get it up, that's fine. To me, um, I, I think kind of the overarching complaint I have about Apple's contacts app is the clunkiness of it. You know, for instance, you know, Apple has these data detectors. We talked about them with the email show. You know, if I get an email from Katie Floyd and it's got her signature at the bottom uh, with a little bit of data, like her phone number or whatever, I can very easily add it to my contacts database. But there are certain things that just aren't there. Like one of them is groups. And like I said earlier, I'm manic about organizing groups and contacts. And I wonder sometimes if I'm just the weird minority in this, but uh, putting contacts into groups is a really useful tip. And uh, with the data detectors, there's really no way to do it. So I have to add Katie as a contact from the male data detector. 
Then I have to go navigate into the contacts app. I have to find Katie and I have to click and drag. I mean, it's just, it's just very clunky to get stuff like that done. Uh, keyboard navigation in the app is not really existent or it's very broken. So you always are end up doing a lot of mousing and clicking uh, to get any kind of real work done in the contacts application. And all this stuff just seems like it's a time suck. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like Apple really has much interest in trying to make it more efficient. One of the things that I I used to use Contacts app quite a bit for was creating address labels, you know, address labels for Christmas cards, address labels for, you know, a mail out for whatever event. You know, if I was in having a, things that I needed address labels for, I would create a loop, a, a group for that and then try to create address labels. And though you can still do that in Contacts. And, and here's a tip. If you go into the print menu in Contacts or you select a group and you go into the print menu, there's a lot of additional power in there. You can actually, um, you know, print envelopes. You can print labels and you can do things like that. that. That's actually functionality that has gotten worse over the years with the Contacts app. And I'll put out a call to the Mac Power Users listeners. Feel free to uh, send us feedback at feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or even just tweet me directly. If anyone knows of a really good um, app for Mac for just making labels, like I want to print out, um, you know, my yearly Christmas card list in the Contacts app, but sometimes there are things that that I want to tweak. Like I have a, a Contacts card for, for David Sparks, but I want to tweak that so that I send my Christmas card to David and Daisy or to the Sparks family and a lot of those different things. I got yelled at one year when I you know, just the rudeness of me when I sent my uh, Christmas card only to my grandfather, because that was, you know, my grandmother said her name was not on the card because it was printed out straight from contacts and I didn't want to send two labels. And hmm, now I handwrite my wow. Christmas card labels. Now does, does grandma still give you birthday gifts or is that just like now we're done. off the list now? Off the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> for a brief time, it was like Camelot for a brief time. We had an app called, uh, um, was it Bento? It was from the same guys who made FileMaker, which was a kind of a simple database application. And you could make those card uh, labels with Bento and then they shut it down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. But it just, just doesn't seem like they've given a lot of focus. Now, all that being said, this is still kind of the go-to contacts application. And there's still some pretty good stuff you can get done with um, the contacts application. I talked earlier about groups and uh, to create a group in there is real easy. They have two types of groups. They have the manually created one, and then they have the smart groups. Uh, smart groups don't make it to iOS for whatever reason. So smart groups are dead to me. I would just make. And neither um, do smart break. mailboxes. So yeah. So, so you know, the idea behind a smart group is you could say, you know, any any uh, contact with the company name Max Sparky Enterprises goes into the smart group, and that way you don't have to manually go find them. Um, you can kind of. Um, you can make one way to, to handle that problem is to make a temporary smart group and then take whatever that is in that smart group and then cr create a manual group called Max Sparky in enterprises and just manually drag them in and then delete the smart group. Does that make sense? Doesn't sound very smart though. Yeah, it's not very smart. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't update. It doesn't do any, like if somebody leaves and you change the company name, they still stay in there. If you add somebody, it doesn't work, but for a brief moment in time, it works. Uh, but so if that's what you want to do, there, there's a way to do that. But my recommendation is is make groups, you know, start thinking about it. And like even when you're like searching for stuff, like I have a group called family, um, I make temporary groups as well um, where I have like a, if I'm going on a trip, 
like I'm going to Chicago at next month. I'm going to have a tech show group and in it, I'm going to have Katie's name, the hotel name, you know, the, um, probably the airline, the other friends of mine that will be there, the location of wherever we're going to do this Mac power users meetup. So I'm going to have all the key contacts for that trip in one little group. And then I can very quickly get it or just even keep it in that group on my phone. And I can very quickly go through, you know, the contacts I'm going to need the most when the trip's over, you delete the temporary group and you're done. Um, but, but take advantage of groups if you're using the contacts app, because you can get a lot done with that. Um, yeah. another power tip I would say for the contacts app is the notes field and the notes is just this big text field. I don't think there's a limit on how big they can get, but I've, I've never really pushed it. Uh, but a lot of people, um, just ignore the notes field. I like to use it for all sorts of data. Like mm-hmm. uh, I talked earlier about how I have attorneys that I refer cases to. And quite often I will just put a note there that, you know, I'll put it, I'll use text expander and I'll say, you know, dot DTS, you know, or dot date string basically. So it'll drop in a date stream and, and I'll say referred uh, Katie Floyd uh, about, you know, whatever. And, um, and that way I can, when I see that person contact or the next time I bump into him and say, Hey, how are things going with Katie's case, you know, or whatever. And it, it just gives me a kind of a way to, to track little bits of data like that. Uh, we've heard from some of our listeners who are salespeople who use that to con- uh, keep information concerning some of their sales leads. And I know there's um, CRM software, which is really relationship management software that is really much more powerful. But for a lot of people out there, this is just fine to have something like that. Like Katie could put in her grandfather's thing, never send card without grandma's name on it in the notes field. (laughs) And I try to put little notes about the people in there. Like, for example, I've picked up your tip of, you know, for attorneys, I'll put a little bit about their practice areas so I know what types of cases to refer to them. Um, For sometimes I'll put, if I have coffee with someone, I'll put their Starbucks order in there so that I know in the future what kind of coffee they like. So a lot of times we have a Starbucks very near my office. And so a lot of times I'll, I'll meet people there for networking types events. And so I can, you know, have their, their order ready. If I talk to somebody on the phone and they mention something that's particularly important going on in their life, if they have a, a sick parent or their kid just got accepted to, to college or something, I'll, I'll put a note or something like that in there so that I know that the next when I look up their their phone number to call them next time, that note will pop up. And so I can, it makes me seem a lot nicer than I really am because I say, I know. Oh, yeah, how, uh, how, how's your daughter doing at Yale? Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, cause, you know, using your nerd powers. Uh, I, someone told, just referred me to an attorney. For, uh, he says, you got to meet this guy. He does something um, where you guys have complimentary practices. You could send each other clients. So I went and had breakfast with this, him this morning and all he could talk about was his doc. He loved this guy loves his doc. And so as soon as he left the restaurant, I opened up the contacts app and I dictated with Siri some notes about his dog. And next time I see him, I know I'll remember the dog's name because that's written down and just a little, you know, just enough to kind of have a conversation starter. And I know that makes me sound, I don't know, maybe callous, but, you know, the way my brain works, I'm not going to retain that information unless I write it down. And this is a great place to do that. And the notes. Well, that means your next conversation is going to be all about the dog, too, because you started it. Yeah. So you're asking yeah. for it. Well, that's okay. Yeah. It makes them happy. I like talking to people stuff. It makes them happy. Um, another thing you can, so notes is there. Uh, you can also like write down the children's name, you know, whatever. Um, that's but a good thing. A, you know, there's also, you sh- we should mention, uh, it, m- the contacts app has a lot of additional fields that you can, you can access through the menu. 
And those are good. I go through and I populate some of those. Some of those you can add by default. You can edit what your standard contacts looks like. But I will go through and I'll add those additional fields. So, for example, you can add related people. Um, and if they, have a con- if they have a contact, you can actually link the card to them. But if I know who someone's assistant is, I'll add that. If I know uh, what their spouse's name is or if they mention what their children's names are, um, I'll add that information and which is also, you know, very helpful when you when you meet them or if you want to link cards to them. Yeah, uh, just a couple of additional additional fields available. And this is a if you're in the contacts app, just go up to the card um, field and then it's, it says add field and it's got a little arrow and it pops out all the different ones you can add. Phonetic first name and last name is one I use often because I, I have friends that you know, they come from different countries and I'm just a, you know, poor, lonely white man who's not always very good at pronouncing foreign names. So I, I write it phonetically. So the next time I'm on the phone with them or meet them, I don't, you know, offend them by not saying their name properly. And that also helps Siri when you pronounce their name to Siri in the future. Exactly. And like they have a field for birthday, like URL is a good one. I don't know why URLs and just turned on automatically. Um, and by the way, you can edit the template so you can have it turned on automatically, but as the, the app ships, it's not there because just about everybody more has a website. Um, Twitter is there and the, you know, there's, there's a lot of different fields you can add. So take a look at that and you may find um, the ability to improve the contact data. Another thing you can do is when you're putting in phone numbers, quite often people will have like a direct line or, or some other line that is not specifically listed in the pre-populated set of types of phone numbers you can edit that as well to get the right number like i have a friend who has a preferred number he's got a bunch of phone numbers but one is preferred and that's not a native field uh, on the phone but you can add it in there and it's it's no problem Uh, we should talk for a minute about the difference between companies and individuals and i know this is basic for some people but i think for a lot of people it's eye-opening you want to talk about that or you want me well and you can you can have both. Someone can be associated with a company and they can also be an individual. You don't have to choose, but you can also have just individual company cards. So when you fill out a a, a card for someone, I can say David Sparks and his company is Max Sparky Enterprises Conglomerate Incorporated. But if I didn't, if I, you know, let's just say I wanted to put the Starbucks across the street in my contacts. So if I wanted to call in an order or something, I can also just put in the information for Starbucks and set that as a company. And that's a lot better. I know a lot of people who will just, you know, put Starbucks as the first name or the last name in their in their card and put the put the number in. And you can do that, but that's going to mess up your sort. Yeah. And and the and the way to do that is when you create the contact, there's a little checkbox that says company. If you click it, then you go from, you know, two fields or three or four fields for the name to just one for the name of the company. And that becomes the basis of sort. Um, yeah. So, you know, spend some time with the contacts app because you can get a little better at it. Do you know how many contacts you're currently tracking, Katie? Just out of curiosity. Oh, boy. Um, about a thousand. I can yeah, tell I think, you in a minute. Yeah, I think I'm about twelve hundred. And it seems like a lot, but it really isn't that many when you're busy and you're you know, moving around the world. Okay. Um, One, 1,053. There is a better solution for contacts on the Mac. And actually, there's a couple that can help you. And we want to talk about those next. But first, we're going to take a minute to talk about our next sponsor. And that's our friends over at FreshBooks. Now, this week's episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is on a mission, you know. This is a mission. 
Uh, and what they want to do is help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes with running their businesses. It's, it's really easy to get into a business that you love, but not many people love sending out bills. You know, that's usually the part you just have to do, but it also involves, you know, paying the mortgage. So you want to make sure you get it done right. And all this can be pain free with FreshBooks. FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices simple. It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice. So think about that, you know, the number of clients you have and do the math because a lot of times it's a lot longer than 30 seconds and you can add your company logo for that extra touch. FreshBooks will give your clients uh, tons of way to pay you. They can allow you to receive payments by card and integrate it with services like PayPal. Uh, this can seriously improve how quickly you get paid. If the client can get the email and just whip out their credit card or open a PayPal they're much more likely to pay you than if they have to lick a stamp. In fact, FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on the average. You can see whether or not your client has looked at an invoice, uh, so there's no more excuses about lost invoices. You can also set up automatic late payment reminders, which is great. You know, nice friendly reminder, so you don't have to stop to worry about that stuff. And that's just the invoicing. FreshBooks also has many other features to help you keep organized. You can track your expenses. Uh, if you're in the U.S., you can automatically import your bank transactions for easy reconciliation. Uh, they recently revamped the mobile app, let, and this allows you to take photos of your receipts, and FreshBooks organizes them for later. It can even create expense reports for you and make claiming expenses at tax time a breeze. They have great reports. Uh, that's one of the things about FreshBooks that I like the most. You can easily see who owes you what, and there is a bunch of third-party integration. So time tracking to help you send better invoices and amazing support. Uh, they really believe in it. There's no phone tree. You call and someone picks up. Did you hear that? I don't even think anybody did that anymore, Katie. Um, so getting started on FreshBooks is extremely simple. You really don't have to be a numbers person. FreshBooks is taking care of all of that for you. They have a 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. No credit card required. To claim your 30 days of unrestricted use, go to freshbooks.com slash MPU. And make sure you enter MPU and how you heard about us section so FreshBooks knows you came from the show. That's important to us, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring Mac Power Users and Relay FM. So the Contacts app is pretty good, um, but the, I personally think that there's one. I'm not there. sure I'd say pretty good. It works. It's fine. <laughs> you know? Okay, fine. I was trying to be generous, but it's fine. It's just fine. But I found one that is even better, and I was so thrilled when it came out, and that is Busy Contacts. So uh, Busy Contacts is made by the same folks who make BusyCal, and I've been a longtime BusyCal user. So as, as soon as I heard about Busy Contacts coming out, I was pretty much instantly on board. And basically, um, Busy Contacts is kind of like power user contacts for the Mac, and it does almost Every actually, I think it does pretty much everything that Contacts for the Mac does, uh, and then it but does it better, and then it does a few things differently. So everything that we were talking about in Contacts, it will you know allow you to um, edit your contacts. It actually plugs into all of those same contact services. You can use it with iCloud, with Google, with Exchange, and all those other card dev servers. Um, it will allow you to edit your contact cards and add all of these additional fields. But what I really like about Busy Contacts is instead of having the concept of groups, it uses the concept of tags, which is interesting for me because I'm really not a tags person. But um, I guess I'm slowly becoming a tags person now because, David, you've got me tagging my mail. Um, and tags really works for me for contacts. 
because instead of groups, I just tag my contacts. So uh, I've got people who are tagged as attorneys, and I have people who are tagged um, as uh, on my my group in this particular club that I'm a member of. So if I I tag them as group three because I'm in group three. I have people who are tagged. I'm, I'm a. We have a social group that we call the the Yowls, the Young and the Old Women Lawyers. That's the best name we could come up with. Um, so I have a Yowl tag. Uh, I have a group that I've tagged. Um, wait, wait. Can of, I just ask do you? Do you guys call yourselves Yowlers? Yeah, we do. We call. Well, I would totally if I was that. <laughs> yeah, you like us, the Yowls. Um, we, uh, you know, I've, I've, a, I still have my Macworld group, David, because I just couldn't bring myself to get rid of it. Because I keep yeah, thinking I one day, that. one yeah. day, one day it's going to come back. So I have all my Macworld and when tags. when it does, you're ready. <laughs> when it tells I'm here, I'm ready to go. Um, but people can be in, in different groups. You know, like, David, you, you could not be in my YAL group. But maybe maybe I could tag you so you could be an honorary member if you wanted to. I'd love um, to be an honorary YAL. Yeah. The, you know, one of the things I really like about busy contacts is the uh, the table view. Um you know, one of my big complaints about the contacts app is it's just hard to navigate things around, but they have this nice table view in busy contacts where you just get groups of people and it's just, you know, it's not maybe as pretty as having a single page for every contact, but it's so much more useful. And, um, right. And that's the beauty of it. You know, busy, busy Cal started with this. It's, it's the view is pretty much infinite. Well, not infinitely, but the view is very customizable. So you can, you can have it kind of set up as a grid. You can have it set up as a table. There are a lot of different ways that you can customize the view. So you, you may have the view of your contacts app set up very different than I have the view of my contacts app. And that's okay. But I think it's a much more efficient view. You know, the way that I've got mine set up, I'm viewing my tags. I'm viewing uh, a little pane that has my contacts in it. And then when I click on it, I get more information about the contacts. Uh, and then I'm viewing the activity pane. And if you wanted to view, and I'm viewing all of that uh, vertically side by side, but there are a bunch of different ways that you could set that up. It's it's kind of very customizable in that way. And one point of clarification, if someone's firing up their email right now about um, groups and contacts versus tags and busy uh, contacts, the, um, the groups and contacts are not like typical like folders where you can only put one contact in one group. I've got contacts in multiple groups. Sure. Like Katie would be in Max Barkey and she'd also be in an attorneys and maybe friends and maybe a few others. So it, it just, um, you can put them in multiple. So it's, it's an essence like tags, but it's not really as easy to pl- to apply because you have to drag them with the mouse manually into the folders. Whereas with busy contacts, applying tags is a much more simple process. Well, and the beauty of this is if I click on your contact card, I can see every tag that I've applied to your name. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about an iOS app because right. strangely, you can do it on the iOS, but not on the Mac. Right. Um, and and here's an interesting thing that tags, because Busy Contacts wants to keep uh, parity with all of Apple's contacts and, and the way that Apple syncs, the tags do sync back to Apple contacts as groups. So yeah. it they then sync back to Apple's contacts as groups so that you then have access to them on your iPhone, which is nice. And, and Katie mentioned that Busy Contacts is made by the same guys that make Busy Cal. And um, as a result, there you get some benefits from that. It integrates with Busy Cal so you can link the events to contacts. And they even have a thing called Activity List where it gives like a chronological listing uh, of the activities for a particular contact. So I can link on Katie's name and see like recent contact and events and mail that we've had together or even future events, which is kind of nice. 
Right. I know a lot of people who, who need kind of a light CRM management uh, solution are using busy contacts for this because it allows you to see a contact and then quickly see interactions that you've had with them, whether it's um, calendar appointments, whether it's tasks that you've associated with them or whether it's emails, uh, because busy contacts will do that. And um, it's great when I call up some, when I call somebody, because I just open up busy contacts on my Mac and I can say, oh yeah, per our email on the 14th, this is what we discussed because I can link to it right from there. Yeah, I really feel like busy contacts is the place you go if you're hitting the wall with contacts, which is really is not that hard to do because contacts has its good points, but it it is clunky and busy contacts is a much more efficient app in terms of, you know, power using it. Yeah. So I've been I've been very happy with it. I haven't looked back. Um, I think if we've put a link in the show notes, I think they have a, a New Year special that may still be going on. I think they were having a sale where you could get a uh, busy Cal and busy contacts in a bundle for discounted pricing, if that's something you're interested in. So I've got one other app that I think is worth talking about on the Mac and, and both busy contacts and this this app, app, you know, look at the Apple contacts database. So once again, you you can use these all at the same time. And not have a problem. And, you know, there's a, there's an app called Cobook, C-O-B-O-O-K. And it's yeah, like, we've, fanta- we've talked about that before on the, yeah, you know, we did, but show, we kinda, yeah. I kind of chilled on it because they, they were really great when they first came out. And the idea behind it really was, and I don't know if it came before or after Fantastic Hal, I think it came after, but it was kind of like Fantastic Hal for contacts. And it's a, it's a simple menu bar application you click on it or you activate it and you type in a name and the person's contact and details show up, you know, in the little drop down menu from your menu bar. And, and because it's, you know, such a pain getting into and navigating through the contacts application, this was way more efficient if you need to get quick access to contact data or make changes. Like one of the things is if I select Katie's name with Cobook, I could then just, once I select it, I can type any kind of information in the top menu. Like I'll start typing a phone number and it does a pretty good job of understanding, oh wait, this looks like a phone number or this looks like an email address. And I can add it to her contact just with a few keystrokes without lifting my fingers off the keyboard. And generally it gets it in the right place. But then it got really unstable and weird. And and the story I had heard at the time was they were selling to a big company and there was going to be a whole bunch of hooks in it. And 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 it was getting crashy for me, and I just gave up on it. I thought it was a great tool, but I gave up on it. And then about a month ago, I started thinking about the show. I said, well, I wonder whatever happened with that app. And I went into the app store, and it's got a, the last update was like a year ago, or actually it was like March of 2015. So it was, it was a while ago. But I said, so I downloaded it, and it's been pretty stable for me. And it's done those extra tools and things that I liked. And it's a nice kind of like enhancement to uh, contact management. It hasn't been crashy and it hasn't done anything creepy, although it does have a bunch of service linking, like they want to link to all your social media and your Twitter. And I'm not sure I want to, I don't understand the company enough to want to give them access to everybody I follow on Twitter, et cetera. Uh, so I've never activated any of that stuff, but uh, like one of the things it does that's super helpful for me because I'm a grouping guy is like when I add a new contact through, um, uh, you know, like capturing it with the mail with the data de- detector, I can open Codebook and let's say I just added Katie. If I go hashtag Apple, you know, then it's going to say, oh, okay, she he wants to add her to the Apple group. And so I'd say hashtag Apple return. And now Katie is now in my Apple group. I didn't have to open up contacts, do a search for Katie's name, find her name, drag it over to the side where the Apple group is. You know, so all that stuff is just 
off the table, it's very easy to get things done. Um, so if you're looking for something to give you quick access that way or, or make quick edits to contacts, I take a look at it. This is not busy contacts. It doesn't have the power of busy contacts, but it, it's, it's a good way to access and make quick changes to your contacts. Have you tried that recently or did you give no, up on I, it as well? I tried it after I think we did one of our original contact shows and then kind of gave up on it. Yeah. It, it, I, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I, even after I talked to him about it and talked it up years ago, um, like within about six months of us mentioning on the show, it, it started like failing pretty badly. And uh, but I don't know what's going on. I think they got it fixed or some sort of stability. Cause like if the last update was last, was last March. They haven't even updated it since um, Yosemite came out, but it's yeah, that, working. That makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I, I'm not. This is not a, a you know a ringing endorsement, but it is a a quick way to make quick changes to contacts. And like I said, I've been running it for a while, and I've not had any any crashes where I used to have a bunch of them. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Go check it out. But uh, like that feature is talking about, where I can just select a name, add a phone number, add an email, or something like that. It's I don't know any way faster to do it on the Mac than, than the way Codebook allows. Well, I think uh, I think that about wraps up our contacts apps on the Mac. If there are any that we haven't covered, of course, you know, we do a feedback show uh, called Mac Power Users Live once a month. This month, it is just a reminder, uh, going to be a week early. Actually, the, the March show is going to be a week early in February because of a conflict. So it's going to be on February 27th at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. I believe that's 6 p.m. GMT. So if you want to join us live for that, you certainly can. Uh, but if you have any other suggestions, please send us your, your feedback, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com uh, for anything that we've missed. And we'd love to cover that on the show. We do have one more Mac app, but it's going at the end. It's going to talk about how to fix your broken contacts. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't really, really fit here. So um, before we move on to iOS, I do want to talk about our uh, next sponsor for this episode, uh, and that is Casper. Um, Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get for a fraction of the price of the mattresses that you find in store. Now, you know that the mattress industry has pretty much forced consumers into buying into their notoriously high prices, and Casper is revolutionizing that by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passengers those savings on directly to you. And I just, since the last time we've talked about Casper, gotten a Casper mattress. I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of weeks. And I got to tell you, I have been very happy. Uh, A Casper mattress provides a quality resilience along with lasting support and comfort that's really one of a kind. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam and memory foam. And these two technologies come together uh, for just the right bounce, just the right sink. I find that I'm sinking into it enough, but yet it's, I used to have a really cushy pillow top and I thought I liked that. So it took me a a couple of nights to get used to the Casper because it's definitely a little firmer of a mattress than what I'm used to. But I find that I'm really liking the the Casper because I, it's firm. So it gives a lot of support, but I'm sinking into it just enough that I'm not really tossing and turning. I guess I kind of felt like I was always kind of on top of the other mattress. And uh, they really have hit the sweet spot with this mattress. And I've been pleasantly surprised with the cost of the mattress. You know, usually mattresses can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost starting at just $500 for twin size mattress, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. In fact, I, I my brother and his uh, fiance 
have asked for a mattress or their wedding gift because that is one of the most expensive items for a new couple to buy. And that's going to be a big item and they they want a king and they were looking at spending over $1,500 for one. And I said, guys, you know, you can get a Casper for less than a thousand and we can save you even a little more with the Mac Power Users coupon code. And it's something that they're checking out. They want to come sleep on my bed, David. I'm not sure how comfortable that's I am creepy. with that. That's creepy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, just a nap. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. It's, it's, here's the beauty. And what I told them, I said, it has a 100-night free trial, uh, risk-free. So they offer free delivery and free returns. The delivery is built into that price. So it's a 100-day free trial. So I told my brother, I said, you can order it. You can sleep on it in your house for 100 days. Um, if you don't like it, then you can return it. Because, you know, laying on a bed for just a couple of minutes in the showroom or even my house, because apparently my house has become the Cat Casper trial house for everybody in my family, um, is not a great way to test a mattress. So you're going to have to get your own and try on it and try to lay on it. And if you don't like it, um, someone is actually going to come and get the mattress from you. Uh, it's just that easy. So you can try on it. And if it doesn't work, then that's it. And the really cool part is how the mattress is shipped to you. I was actually told that I could not open my mattress until people came over and saw it. Uh, it's shipped to you in a box and opening it is an awesome experience uh, for everyone, really. It was awesome. They included all the tools. It's vacuum packed. You just open it up and it spontaneously expands and and boom, that's about it. So listeners of the show can get $50 off towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash MPU and using the coupon code MPU. Some terms and conditions do apply. So head on over and check that out. Again, casper.com slash MPU. Coupon code is MPU. Uh, and thank you to Casper uh, for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. I, I think, you know, some houses have like Super Bowl parties at the Floyd house. They have Casper opening party. It was, right. yeah, and apparently like the nap party where people come and nap on the bed. No, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm stopping it right there. <laughs> so, so iOS for contacts, in my opinion, was a contacts, I called it the contacts wasteland because, you know, all of the problems with the Apple contacts application um, were magnified on iOS because not only did you have an application that's not entirely efficient, it doesn't even have all the same features, you know, like you can, um, you cannot manage groups on iOS. So if I would go to Chicago and meet somebody, I want to add them to the, to the tech show group and they, I get their contact. I add it on my phone. There's no way for me to do that. They, I don't know why. Um, I honestly don't understand how we are now at iOS nine and there's still not a way to put a contact in a group. Um, maybe there's some technical problem, but based on the next app I'm going to talk about, I'm pretty sure there's not. I, I just don't know why they never bothered with it. So the iOS contact management has always been difficult. Uh, search is also difficult. Like, um, you know, I, I have, um, like if I want to search, um, it doesn't search necessarily all the fields, like all that stuff I put in notes doesn't turn up in a search. And I don't know. It just, it's, it feels to me like the iOS contacts app needs a lot of attention and it, it hasn't received it. And I don't, I think it's just low on the totem pole. I think there's, there's so much more that they want to do with it, that the contacts app is, and they've made some improvements. The way that I search my contacts is with spotlight, but you're right. It doesn't yeah. search all the fields. Yeah. But if you even go into the contacts app and, and then the, um, in uh, fact, I haven't had the contacts app on my front page for years. No, me either. I mean, well, no. it's in, it's in your um, phone app. So you know, there's, a, there's a little tab on the bottom that essentially gets you to contacts. And, and spotlight, like Katie was saying, you just drag from the top and type in 
the name. That's the easiest way to find it. If I just drag down and say Katie, it's going to find her every time. And there, there's even a button to just dial her directly or um, send a message. Uh, uh, but, you know, there are some good things about contacts. The capture is pretty good. Like if you want to capture like a, a map location into a contact, it's pretty easy. They have data detectors on iOS. So if you have a an email, you can capture information into your contacts. Uh, the interfaces for like custom ringtones are generally pretty easy to understand and use. Have you ever set the the custom vibration tone for somebody? Yes. Did you know you could do that? You can tap Did out like Morse code. Or like dun 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 dun. Have you? Bless you. you. You've Bless not you. done that. That's your vibration I, I, tone, David. I have the I have the SOS if my wife calls me and texts that my, something's going on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> After you're married over 20 years, usually when they call, it's because you did something wrong. <laughs> the, um, the, so, uh, but yeah, you can see so all that stuff is pretty manageable, but it still feels to me like the contacts app just needs so much love and, and group management for a group junkie like me is just absolutely essential. Um, so there's a new app for that. And uh, this one just came out recently. It's by Agile Tortoise. It's the same guys that brought us drafts. And it's called Interact, and um, it's a really great application for managing contacts. I've, I've tried a bunch of these over the years, and I just felt like they were all kind of junky. So I never stuck with any of them and, and just stayed with the iOS Contacts app, even at the, of its sins. But Interact um, really, I think, gets it right. And uh, I think it's about five bucks. I don't know what it currently, I bought it on launch day, and I don't, you know, how, you know when you buy the app, they don't tell you later. I, you know, you can't it's, go back, uh, it's five bucks. It's four ninety nine, And great. it says that it's currently on limited launch pricing. So, okay, well then go get it now. Um, but anyway, so uh, to start with, um, this app just has a better user interface than the iOS contacts app. Like one of the examples is if I turn it on the side with my iPhone six plus, uh, it gives me two columns. So I get more data on the screen at any one time where, you know, that that would never happen in the Apple app. Um, and it, it's got a nice look. It's orange. It's got a kind of an orange um, interface. It reminds me a little bit of Overcast um, in terms of the color scheme, uh, but it's very clean and it's got a nice list of names. And as you go through contacts, and this is just basically showing the contacts, you can not only access contacts and do all the things you can do in the basic contacts app, but you can also put a check mark next to them, and then you can have multiple contacts that you select at any one time. And from there, you can move multiple contacts into da -da -da -da, groups. You know, you can add people to groups. So you can add single contacts or groups of contacts um, into, into groups. And you can delete or share contacts in group. In fact, that's one of the things that this app gets that I, I don't understand why we don't see more on iOS is the ability to process multiple items. You know, that that's something that really needs to happen on iOS for things to move forward. On the iPad Pro, Interact looks, it just looks awesome. I mean, it, it's just this huge list of names and they use multiple columns and everything. It looks really great. Um, so, so the view of this is just better, in my opinion, but it also substantively, it gives you more to do because I can go through now and manage groups on iOS. So now when I go to Chicago and if I meet somebody, I can actually add them to the group right on my phone or my iPad. Um, have you played with Interact too much or is this, is this my show? Oh yeah. No, I was in the beta for Interact. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, so, so setting the groups is good. Um, also managing multiple contacts is something that you can't do in the native application that is just dead simple here. Like I said, you select multiples, 
you can do things with it. But but the feature that really sells this thing, this is the sex appeal of Interact, is what they call the scratch pad. Oh, I was and wondering this, whether you would think the scratch pad was the main feature or whether you were all about grouping. Because I like the scratch. The scratch pad is my big feature. Yeah, well, I mean, the grouping, it's, it's, rem- it's great that it works and it's there. I mean, and that's a, a real a feature I really need. But the, the feature that I never saw coming was the scratch pad. And so that with the way that works, it's just a text box. And you type stuff in there. You can type a name, an address, phone number, and it it will go through and parse that data and generally figure out what goes where. If I type Katie Floyd, it's going to know that Katie's the first name and Floyd is the second. If I write a, a cell phone number there or just a phone number, it's going to know it's a phone number. If I write down president, it's going to know that's probably a title. And if I write a company name, Clearly. It, it, the, the application, <laughs> president of the, what was the name of the group again? The lawyers? Yowls. The owl, you know, the, the owly, the head yowly. Um, But it, it just goes through and, you know, think about it. This is the app that was made by the guys that made drafts, you know, or really the guy. I mean, Greg Pierce is the guy that really makes all this happen. Uh, so so this guy has a ton of knowledge about how to take text and do stuff with it. So why wouldn't he put that and in in a um, contact management application he's doing? And this isn't just require you to type stuff in. You can like block and copy from the bottom of an email address and paste it in there, or you can export it directly into there because they have one of those extensions. So you can just like select text, hit the extension, it goes in there and it automatically pulls things out. It's great. This is the easiest way to add new contacts on the phone that I've ever seen. Uh, love it. Uh, and it goes a little deeper. If you want to go to the nerd level, sometimes you'll put stuff in there like chief broom sweeper. And the app might not necessarily recognize that as a title because it's never seen something like that before. And but if you just write title colon chief broom sweeper, it does it for you. You know, it figures it out. You just give it a little hint. They call it scratch pad tags. And there's a whole bunch of them. So just about any field you want to add, if you put a tag in front of it, that absolutely makes certain it gets to the right place. One of the other big features is that it allows you to easily send group messages. And we've had a lot of people write in the show and ask us about this because this is where things really fall down. It's you, There is a way, but it's a kludgy way on iOS um, to send messages to a group if you haven't already created that group. And as we've already talked about, there's not a great way to create and send stuff to a group in iOS. And Interact just deals with that. So you can create a group in Interact and then you can send a message um, to them, either an email or a text message. And then it, it also integrates with all of the various cloud services, and I, you know, Dropbox, iCloud, uh, Box, uh, I, a bunch of the cloud services are in there. Um, and so if you want to like send, a, send an attachment to your text message or send an attachment to your email message, then you can, you can do that as well. But it's a great way if you want to get in and and send things to a group of people. Well, you know, just overall, this application is just so well done. And it's funny to me because to me, um, Mac was the place I wanted to work on contacts and iPhone was the place that I had to deal with contacts. And now that's kind of switched because Interact to me is in some ways more efficient and certainly more delightful than dealing with contacts on my Mac. So I'm getting to the point where I'm managing contacts even better on my on my iPhone and iPad than I was on my Mac before. Um, he also added just um, like 3D touch support. So if you've got a success, all that stuff is in there. You know, it's, it's made by a conscientious um, app developer. So whatever new shiny stuff Apple's going to release for it is going to get into the application. 
Okay, uh, so we've covered iOS, uh, and I, I think to me, Interact is this one isn't even close. It's Interact is a big winner. If if you want to get better at contacts on your phone, just go buy it. Um, but I wanted to talk about the issue of capturing contacts. Um, you know, this is something that we all deal with, uh, where you go to a conference or somewhere, and you handed a bunch of business cards and like, okay, how do I get this data into my system as quickly as possible? Um, we're get, we've got some app recommendations for that as well. But before we, we do that, let's just t- take a minute to talk about the last sponsor. And that's our friends over at the Omni Group. And I wanted to focus this week on Omni Plan. This is the application that doesn't get as, as much discussion from us because it's, it's a little more uh, focused. This is an application that allows you to plan projects out. And Omni Group has been working on this app for years. They, they, the most recent version, version 3, came out. And and they really added some power features. I mean, this application can run with any of them now that does project plan. For instance, they added a thing called Monte Carlo simulation. And when you set up a project, a lot of times it's what they call these Gantt charts where it shows you how everything's are going. But you never know what happens if one piece of this breaks. What does that do to the entire timeline? Well, Monte Carlo simulation does that to you. So you, if you set up a project in OmniPlan, you can run scenarios to figure out whether or not, you know, you're going to have a big problem or a little problem if things happen. They also have these network diagrams, which is a really visual way to see how a project is going to flow and where the dependencies are. And I know this all sounds very highly, you know, um, you know, technical, but the way the Omni group does it, it's not. It's actually quite easy to use. I, I encourage you to go to the website and take a look at some of the screenshots to get an idea of how easy they've made this stuff. And they've even built in things like earned value analysis and now Microsoft Project Import and Export. You know, Microsoft Project is one a lot of people grew up with. Well, move over to OmniPlan and you can bring your old projects in, no problem. Um, they've got an application for the Mac and the iPad and the iPhone. It's fully multi-platform. They have a pro version and a, and a basic version. Um, if you go and you check it out, you can download it from their site. You get a free 30-day trial. You can figure out which one is right for you. Um, like one of the things they've done that I really like on the, the iPad version is they've got great keyboard support. I mean, th- this is the Omni group. There's a whole room full of people trying to not only make an app that's efficient and powerful, but also easy to use. And the problem of project management software, I mean, it used to be people would go and take classes just to figure out how to get this software running. And the Omni group really cracked that nut with this one. They've, they've made it simple to get in. Uh, just as an example, I use these project plans with uh, with litigation support. When I do litigation for clients, we lay out the entire project and what we're going to do and where the dependencies are. And I share those and update those with the client. And then they always kind of know where they're at in the big picture. And And that's a really great way to help people who are not familiar with what's going on, you know, at least feel like they know where they stand. And no matter what industry you're in, I bet you could find a use for something like this. So go check it out over at the omnigroup.com, uh, OmniPlan. Um, take a look at the screenshots, download some of the demos, and and just take a look at this. Because even if you've never used project planning software before, the Omni Group's done it in a way that you could do this. You don't need to be a pro, and you can really look professional if you figure this stuff out. It's not that difficult, and it looks beautiful. So OmniPlan, thank you, Omni Group, for uh, supporting the show. And everybody go check it out. So we've talked about, you know, we've kind of come full circles here. We've gone from, you know, print to digital, and and now we're going back to print again, because especially in the business world, we all have business cards. And especially if you go to a meeting or a networking event, that's what you're handed, and that's what you expect to hand people is is business cards. But 
I can't stand them. I want to get business cards out of my pocket and out of my purse as as quickly as possible and into my digital system. You know, one of my law partners um, who I mentioned is they use the uh, the Google web interface and because it's in my opinion, so bad, they don't put any of their contact information in their computer. So the top desk drawer of theirs is just filled with with business cards. And that's kind of their Rolodex <laughs> system. And I'm just yeah, like, the old, the, I, I remember I said, the old one, you spun it. and <laughs> Yeah, no, but this is worse. This is just in the desk drawer. And I'm like, you know what, we, we and whenever they need to find a contact, they, they, they open up the desk drawer and start rifling through to find the business card that they need. And I'm like, you, you know what, we've 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 definitely got to work on this for you. Uh, please what could go wrong. <laughs> please please let me help you with this. You know, I have two uh, for um, I have two business cards for the day job. I I got when I first opened my own practice. I went and like got the staples, just basic card with all the information, address, and everything on it. And I'll hand that to like a court clerk if they want all that. But the one I really like is a nice letterpress card that's just my phone number, my email, and my website, and nothing else. And, um, you know, you can get away with that now. And if they don't want to go look up my address on the internet, then I guess it's not that important. Right. But how do you capture the cards, Katie? I mean, if you go to a conference. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of different apps and solutions for this. And and I'm interested to hear about yours. Many of them are not that good. I mean, there are a ton of business card scanning apps in the App Store, and I've tried several of them, and I've ultimately not been happy with with many of them. And mine have to meet a couple of criteria in in order to to work for me. One is they've they've got to be pretty accurate. You know, none of them are 100 percent accurate, but they've got to be pretty accurate. Um, otherwise I'm just as well to, to punch the information in manually. Um, and the other is they have to have some kind of automatic integration with my um, with my contact system. Because I don't want to use some, I don't want to have my information in some proprietary system. It's got to automatically sync with my contacts and my system. The solution that I have finally settled on, honestly, is is Evernote. Now, unfortunately for for some, this is a premium feature now in Evernote. Evernote used to have kind of a standalone app, and I think it was an app that they acquired from someone else, and now it's since been integrated into their premium feature. But it is it is almost <laughs> worth it, you know, just for this feature alone because it is really good. So you can, if you're an Evernote premium member, you can scan a business card. In my experience, it is one of the best at at recognizing information. Um, I had someone at a at a conference who gave me her business card, and her name was Marilyn. And I kind of knew her, but I I just seen her at this conference, and we've we've since struck up a friendship. She actually crossed Marilyn off of the business card and hand wrote at the top of the card Lynn because she she goes by Lynn, and Evernote caught that, uh, and so Evernote put her her name in as Lynn. And so what Evernote will do is it'll take a picture of the business card, it will save that to Evernote. So I've actually set up a separate business card notebook in Evernote, and then it will parse all of the information on the business card: first name, last name, address, phone number, all of that stuff. It's so surprisingly accurate. And then you can also link it with LinkedIn. And I know many people don't like LinkedIn, but people are on LinkedIn. And so if that person's on LinkedIn, um, and if their LinkedIn address is linked to whatever is on the card, Evernote will then also go out to LinkedIn and then pull the information that that person has made available on LinkedIn and then supplement the card information with LinkedIn. So that means you'll usually get a photo and you may get some additional information about that person. So that's just helping to populate the information um, in your address book. And then it will automatically sync with your contacts if you want it to. And then you even have the option if you want 
to send that person your contact information electronically. I, I typically don't do this because you, the one place that it falls down for me is you can't choose which contact information to send them because do I send them my uh, my personal information? Do I send them my, you know, my tech information? Do I send them my professional information? Uh, but you can do that too. And then of course, because it's connected with LinkedIn, you can choose to connect with them on LinkedIn, but I have, I've turned that feature off. So I, I choose not to do that. Like some people will make multiple personal cards. They'll have one with just their personal address, one with work address. You and I have three businesses or something like that. Right. So yeah. we may have multiple. Can, can you choose which one it gets sent out on or? No, that's what, be? that's yeah. what you, you, well, you pick one. And so yeah. that's, that's where it falls down is unfortunately you pick one. So if you've decided that I'm going to, you know, I'm only, I'm typically going to use this in a professional setting. So I'm going to put my professional information in there, then that's what it will send out. Uh, but you can choose every time if you want to send out your contact information or not. So you just have to know in your head, okay, my, my professional information is what's linked to this. Do I want to send it out or not? The, Other, um, otherwise, typically point, what I do is I just hand them one of my business cards. And one of the points you made that we didn't discuss earlier was adding a photo to a contact card. And that's really easy to do on the Mac and, frankly, on the phone, too. And I highly recommend it. It just takes a minute, and it really does make you know sorting through and finding things faster. Uh, if For nothing else, just the people most important to you. Get a photo in there. Um, I also do it, like, because I do some networking. You know, I'm a lawyer trying to make a living. And when I meet people uh, that go in as kind of a referral source, I always, uh, I'll just Google image search them. And there's almost always a picture of somebody on the internet somewhere. And um, Right, or go to their website and get one. There's almost always yeah. one there. Yeah, so, but just taking a minute to do that actually makes it quite a bit easier for you later. And it, it doesn't take that long. So that's another little tip you had buried in there. Um, I had a sorted journey with trying to get an application to put cards into my contacts database. And it seems like it's always a moving target. And, and there's, there's like a um, there's like a life cycle of these applications. First, they release the app and it's not very good. And then it starts getting better. And uh, then you start liking it because it works pretty good. And, and the idea behind these apps is you take a picture of a card and it goes through and parses out the various bits of information for a contact. And it has the ability to share that contact right into your contacts database. And it seems like as they get better and better, um, they become acquisition targets and LinkedIn or somebody buys the app and then they yeah, want LinkedIn to put all... is, a, I think, who originally had the Evernote app. I don't remember. Yeah, but I mean, it just seems like this happens over and over again. It's not just LinkedIn, but it's some somebody is going to buy it and they're going to have some great cloud solution where they want you to store your contacts in their cloud. And they're, they're going to go ahead and slurp all your contacts into their cloud. And the whole thing has this like weird creepy factor to me like i don't want my contacts going to somewhere else in fact some of these applications don't do the parsing automatically they actually have a person uh look at the image and type it for you which is on the edge of creepy especially if it's without you choosing that to happen um so i i kept running into these apps where they'd be good for a while and they break or they'd get sold or something and for a while i just gave up and just started hand typing them in because i always got the data right and I don't have so many cards that this is something that takes an enormous amount of time. You know, maybe I do it five or six times a month. Right. Um, but then uh, as we were prepping the show, I went on a binge in the app store and I said, OK, let me find one that I can recommend. And I bought like eight of them and um, the eight highest ranked ones I purchased. And the one that I decided I would I would tell people about is one called Scan Biz Cards. You know, <laughs> pretty that's pretty uh, explicit. Right. Scan Biz Cards. It tells you what it does. And um, yeah. it takes a picture 
you know, and you can do both sides. So if it's got front and back, like if you write notes on the back of a card, it'll take a picture of both of them. The app itself is 99 cents. It's in current active development. They had an update within the last few months and, uh, and it does a pretty decent job of getting the data out. I've been, I used it on, I think about 10 cards and, and one or two of them had errors. Um, they, uh, you know, it exports to the Apple contacts database. It also exports to CSV, which is just a generic format you can use. It'll export to Salesforce, Oracle, and some more places. Another interesting feature they had in scan biz cards is um, manual transcription. So you get two free when you buy the app. And that's what I was talking about earlier, where it sends it to a person who transcribes it for you. But this case, it's not, they're just taking all your cards and doing it. It's you choosing for that to happen. And after the two free ones, it's 18 cents per card afterwards. So if you get a card that's really hard to read and you don't want to deal with it for 18 cents, somebody else in the world somewhere will take care of that for you. Um, I mean, it, it, the interface isn't like it's not like Interact where I'm excited and jumping and doing cartwheels over the interface, but it's it's OK. And it it does the job of capturing contacts. So there's one for you. Cool. And you're going to put a link to that one in the show notes. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Correct. Awesome. Yeah, I will do that. Um, let's take a minute to talk about Siri and contacts, because I think that's part of the equation now where it wasn't before. Um, you know, you can like what uh, on the basic level, like you can do a lot of management of con or use of contacts through Siri, you know, call Katie Floyd on mobile. You know, that's a, a perfectly adequate Siri command, which makes it really important that when you put that phone number and that you code it as mobile as opposed to whatever the, the application throws at you. Um, texting is another good one. Tell Katie Floyd I'm running late and it will get that. When you use the word tell, that's magic to Siri to say, okay, send a text message. Uh, whoever the next, the next two words is going to be a name. And, and it actually learns over time. Like if I sit in my office, I tell Daisy I'm running late. It knows that Daisy is my wife. It knows my, uh, it knows that I use that person a lot. Or if I say, tell Samantha, Who's my daughter? I know I have a lot of Samanthas in my contact database, but if I just say Samantha, it's smart enough to know that it's it's her. Um, uh, relationships is uh, something you can put into Siri. Have you ever done that, Katie? I do that all the time. I think it's very important because if nothing else, then it will also help Siri understand who you're talking about and prioritize people. So, for example, Siri knows that Matt is my brother, but I probably have half a dozen Matts in my contacts. So if I just tell Siri to call Matt or to text Matt, she'll just call my brother because she knows that that's the most likely person that I want to call. Wait, what, what, your brother's name is Matt? My brother's name is Matt. You never told me. We got to 306 episodes. You never told me that. I'm hurt. I'm sure it's come up before. No, it hasn't. You kept it a secret. I Any other brothers we don't know about? No, no other brothers. That's it. Okay. Same thing with uh, your spouse. Daisy Sparks is my wife. And so you just activate Siri and say that, and then she knows it. And the contact card is basically updated. And and that gives you a whole range of abilities. Tell my wife I'm running late, you know, and then that's going to create a text message to her that says that. Um, it also, once you identify a person as a relationship, you can pull data out, like say, I can activate Siri and say, when's my wife's birthday? And it'll tell me, uh, what's Katie's phone number? And it'll tell me, like, if you're, if you're sitting at uh, one of those old fashioned landlines, you know, they used to have those phones where you, uh, they're, they're connected by a cord to the wall. I, I am familiar with those. Yes. Yeah. Well, they have those still sometimes. And, um, and so you, you press and hold and you say, 
what is Katie's phone number? And it puts it on the screen for you so you can type it in. Cool. The, um, uh, yeah, another I think, thing you can um, do is... Pr- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, pronunciation oh, was, is good. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. And we talked about that a little bit with it being important to... You can put the phonetic spelling of something. There's a field for that in contacts. But Siri also has an interesting trick um, for... Oh, now Siri just activated. Uh, Siri also has an interesting trick for... Well, you didn't say uh, the magic correct- words. I, she thinks I did, though, um, for okay. correcting pronunciations of someone's name. So if you bring up a contact in Siri and you notice that Siri is also um, all, is constantly pronouncing that wrong, you can bring it up. And when Siri repeats it, you can say that's not how you say their name. And then Siri will provide you with a couple of alternate pronunciations of their, that name, and you can choose the one that is correct. And then even if it's not 100% correct, if you can get closer, you can then do it again. And it will choose pronunciations that are closer to the one you picked. Yeah. And uh, that, like Victor Cahiel is a good one. He's a friend of ours, a podcaster. In fact, he's been on the show and it never gets his name right. It's like Victor Cahiel. <laughs> eventually got it to figure it out. So we have a late breaking update. Katie was looking for the biz scan biz card app for the notes. So just to make sure everybody understands, um, uh, that's how it's listed in the app store scan biz cards, business card. But the problem is there's so many of these, um, that have a similar name and search on the app store is so wonky. This is the one made by scan biz mobile solutions. And, uh, there will be a link, but if you're just searching for it on your own, uh, the way it comes up is scan biz cards. That's with a Z, a business card reader. So if you're listening and you're not looking at the show notes, um, be careful. It's got a blue yeah. icon with a little um, circle in the middle. Right. So I've I just uh, for the listeners, I've I've looked them up. They do some pretty interesting things and I'll put links to them in the show notes. Y- you may want to just take a look at the how it works page um, because it there is some information about um, where you're it looks like they may be storing some of your contact information and kind of crowdsourcing it. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at this very quickly on their, their how it works page. Just want to make sure that you're comfortable with their privacy policy and, and what they're doing before you put too much information in there. All these business card apps are like on the edge of creepy, all of them. <laughs> yeah. And you started, you started out by saying that. And so yeah. uh, who knows? I'm sure Evernote and LinkedIn are probably doing something with, with my contacts too, that, that gives me cause for concern. We'll see. I, I thought one of the safer things about recommending that app is that they have, they will have a service that will do it manually if you pay them, which to me indicated that they're not doing it manually on every card. But, you know, maybe I was fooled. Right. Well, just as always, pick these with a grain of salt and, and do your due diligence. Yeah. OK. I mean, so, some but, of it is when you're scanning a business card and sending the information for transcription to to anything, whether it's the cloud or an AI, it's, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. But getting back to Siri, it. Siri is a great way to access and use your contact data, but it relies on the fact that you have good data in there. Like when you put home and uh, and work addresses in, make sure you code them that way. It's very easy because because contacts gets us wrong all the time. So you do a data detector and it's just going to assume it's a home address quite often. And so you'll end up having two home addresses for a person. And then when you're driving down the road to meet them at their job, you say, you know, you activate Siri and say, get directions to Katie Floyd's work. And it'll say, well, I don't know what her work is because she has two home addresses. So just take a minute to to classify the data as you put it in properly. And Siri and the rest of the whole system will work way better for you. And guess what? Siri just activated the, on my. There you go. 
<laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll tweak that in iOS 10 a little bit. I hope. I hope. Yeah. So speaking of way to fix your contacts, it is it is really easy to get incorrect contact information in there. And we talked about for all sorts of ways, you know, people move or maybe you've got some contacts on your Mac and some contacts on your phone and you end up with duplicates. It, it happens. And we've talked about ways on, on previous shows to handle that. I, I still think some of the best advice for handling contacts is to put all of your contacts in the cloud. And that that can be a difficult process, especially if you're trying to merge them. And so the, the process that I tend to walk people through is this. So if you've got, you know, your contacts fragmented right now, first thing is first, back up everything you've got, you know, so that you know you've got a backup of what you've got right now. And then I usually recommend people pick one cloud service, at, at least for now. If you have to pick two to segregate personal and business, then do that. But pick as few cloud services as you possible. Let, let's say pick one. And then upload all of your contacts from all of your various sources to that one cloud service. Get the contacts you know, off of your Mac and into that cloud service. Um, manually sync with your phone and take those contacts off of your phone and into your Mac and then get them up to the cloud service. And, and make it so that all of your contacts are up in this cloud service. And then go through, because remember you have your backup, and delete your contacts from everywhere but the cloud service. So now you have no contacts locally on your phone, no contacts locally on your iPad, no contacts locally on your Mac. The only place that the contacts live are in the cloud. As, as David said, you know, Steve Jobs said, somebody said the truth is in the cloud. And then you're going to want to go through the process, and a lot of it is going to be a manual process of culling through those contacts. There's some services that can help, you know, built into the contacts app. There's a duplicate cleaner. Um, one of our favorite apps that we recommend, and it's only a couple of bucks in the Mac App Store, is an app called Contacts Cleaner. And this is an app that has have saved my bacon more than once, and it will go through and it will find problems with your contact database. It will help you merge duplicates, um, find contacts where maybe you're missing information, you're missing a field, or it will just help you kind of clean up and, and make sure your contacts are uniform. But what it can't do is it can't know which information is correct and which information is, is incorrect. You know, it can't tell you, hey, this phone number for Sally is out of date because she moved six years ago. A lot of this you're going to have to go through and, and really spend some time and, and check. But in my experience, once you just get over that, and even if you just decide I'm going to do 20 a day until it's cleaned up, it's, it's wonderful having clean contacts, syncing, and working properly. Yeah. And th there's just so much more to contacts cleaner. Um, so when you first get the application, it does a scan of your contacts database and it makes lists of all contacts with various sins. Like, like one of the sins that it finds is a uh, phone number formatting issues. Like some people put their phone for uh, format with parentheses around the area code. Some people put dots between each. Some people put dashes. This goes through and mine puts a, uh, my version of this app thinks that the the ideal way to report a phone number is with parentheses around the area code, which happens to be the way I do it. And it will go through any one of them and um and just fix that one little problem. And you can do it manually by each one, or you can have it do the whole batch of them. Like when I first ran this, because I hadn't done it for a while, I found like 60 phone numbers in my database that had that weird phone uh, formatting error. And it just went through and fixed all that, and that problem was solved. But it has other problems, like, you know, if there's spaces in the first name or if there's blank names, which quite often means it was a company and you just put it as you didn't list it as a company. 
if it has duplicate phone numbers, everybody's got contacts with the same phone number listed more than once. This will go take care of that. So um, it really does a great job, even if you don't use the, the feature to have it go through and fix every single one with one keystroke where you have to go through manually. It, it finds the ones that need your attention. And if you've got a big contact database, that's half the battle. Yeah, I think that it, this app is totally worth it. But and just, back it up first. <laughs> absolutely. Know? Yeah. So going back to your scan business cards app, and this is the last time I'll mention it. I, I am now unclear based on what I've read on their website, whether the syncing the information with the server is only for the professional service or, or not. Uh, it's, it's murky to me. So do your own research. When I use the app, it didn't have me set up, create a sync account or anything like that. I mean, it seemed very simple when I used it, but oh boy. Okay. Take a it, look. it looks Buyer like they beware. have a couple of yeah. It looks like they have a couple of different types of of apps, and it it seems like from reading their website that they may only share the information if you if you use their business app, which is a different app called Circleback. But it's it's hard to tell because they don't specify this is what we do with this app and this is what we do with that app. So why does everybody have to make it so hard? It seems to me like people would be very loyal to an app that says I'm not going to do anything creepy. I'm going to take a picture of your business card. Uh, parse out the data and stick it in your contacts database. And that's all I need. You know, right. that's all I need. <laughs> okay. So we keep going back to that, but, but uh, contacts cleaner is a great way to do it. You can go through manually, uh, but you know, spend some time setting up your groups um, and, and you'll be really happy. I put out a little message on Twitter uh, before we recorded saying, Hey, what are your favorite uh, tips or, you know, hassles with contacts? And we got a couple of people wrote back and, I put the message out the last minute, so we don't have that many, but a couple of them had good feedback. Um, Dave Stakowiak, um, who was a guest on one of the live show, and I, I never get his last name right. I'm sorry, Dave. But uh, he uses the contacts app for CRM. We talked about that. And uh, one of the points he made that I thought was great was he said, use the add sender uh, button in Apple Mail. And it's not add sender. It's actually add to contacts. If you go in the toolbar in Apple Mail, you can have add to contacts, which basically is a data detector button. But if the sender is already in your contacts database, it's gray. So it's like an indicator while you're reading the emails to whether this person is a contact or not, which is, is helpful because a lot of times you may not add the person because you just assume they're in your contacts database and they aren't. So that was a good tip. Uh, Father Michael wrote in and, and he was one of the um, iCloud detractors. He said he had bad experience with iCloud and he's using Google. Uh, David Hall wrote in. And uh, let's see, he said a lot of the things we've already said. He says, make sure you add pictures and make sure you add the right categories and keep all your contacts in a single service. I think Dave has a time machine. I think he just went and listened to it. Well, you know, he, he just that back. Or, oh, he, had, that he or has what? a lot of good advice. Yeah. And one last one he had that we didn't share was when you add a birthday to family and friends, it shows up in the calendar. Should have. There's a there's a birthday calendar the calendar app. I think we need to go back to calendars too at some point, Katie. Right. So that's the thing is you might want to be selective about what birthdays you add because you know, a lot of people, I just don't care about their birthdays. I, yeah. I'm so mean, aren't I? No, I get it. Yeah. There's only so much room in that head for, you know, stuff like that, right? I mean, there's some people, their birthdays are very, very important, but other people, I'm like, mm, it's nice. All right. Uh, so contacts. It only took us an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course anyway. it always only takes us an hour and 30 minutes i, so. I don't know it's magic it's magic we don't plan so if there were if, 
If you have a favorite business card scanning app, or if you have a, an app for Mac or iOS that we missed, that feedback show's coming up. You can send us an audio tip. You can record that. The, uh, the voice recorder app on the iPhone works great. Just make sure you keep it to two minutes or less, and you can send that to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm Katie Floyd, and he's Max Sparky. Thank you to our sponsors, Backblaze, FreshBooks, Casper, and Omni Group, and we will see you all next week.